When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbel, not Chris Schmidt, alongside not Mark Cranach. It's Will Wilson in producing Damon Barr on, uh, I mean, I was going to say early on a Saturday morning. I know for a lot of people out there, it's not that early, but this is, I mean, usually I'm going to bed at this time. So, so, so is Damon. <laughs> Damon's an animal. People forget that. Um, Damon, how early did you get up? Damon's all dressed up in there. He's got his uh, his dress shoes on, his dress pants on. He did what? his hair. No way. I, I've been up since about, I don't know, just six. Th- I just threw this on. I like set the stuff on the couch. I'm going to my brother. My brother's first confession is today. Ah, so when when you walked in this morning, that. I was like, date must have gone well last night. It didn't even change. <laughs> this, is, this is what I wore last night. I, I wore it for like a few hours and then just... Uh, put on pajamas to go to bed afterwards so <laughs> it, they didn't stay on that long my man mm, mm. <laughs> looking sharp looking sharp man oh uh, well, for radio for sports lincoln radio that's impressive so damon had his date last night well, okay well very nice we, yeah. we were gonna go to hopcat and there was a bunch of people waiting outside so oh. we said nah and nice. we went to laszlo's instead mm. it's pretty nice. good pretty oh, good laszlo's is classic big, big, I, I mean oh, yeah. hopcat big fan don't get me wrong but like I went a couple. It'd been like the first time I'd gone since uh, since COVID started. Um, I guess I went back on my birthday last year, just before COVID, and they changed up their burgers. Also, they, they don't call them the crack fries anymore because they're as good as crack. They get, apparently, that's like not PC or whatever. So now they're cosmic fries. And then their burgers, they used to be like a nice thick patty. And I'm not sure if they like somebody got salmonella or whatever. But now they're like the two thinner patties, two thinner smash burger patties, and like it's good, but just not the same as that like super thick like meaty juicy patty where you can actually get it like medium medium rare on the inside now they have to like cook it all the way through and it's lame like they got good beer that's all that matters that is true will what were you up to last night uh last night i, I, I know this i'm just asking for uh, last night radio. was uh, what, i was calling some basketball uh, up in malcolm with tim bob you heard it here on espn we had a huge upset over in the c1 uh district one final number one seed malcolm and number 16 winnebago uh, Winnebago came into Malcolm and took down the Clippers. It was awesome, man. And of course, Malcolm, you know, they start they they ended the regular season twenty and zero. Last week they had their first loss of the year in the first round of their sub district, right? So that was their first loss. And then they'd lose again last night. Winnebago, the sixteenth seed, came in and uh, knocked out the Clippers. So Winnebago is heading to state next week. It was awesome. Reservation basketball, though, I don't want to be too overgeneralization here, but they care about basketball. Like, I remember when Winnebago. Um, who was the player that was really good for their their men's team a couple years ago? 
I know who you're thinking of. I, I can't remember his name. But they have, you know, Winnebago, they've produced some really good basketball teams the last few years. And, and when they make it to state, man, do they show up in droves. Like, they just have such passionate oh, fans yeah. up there. They, they care they do. About, about their high school basketball. They do. Last night uh, up in Malcolm, a lot of their fans traveled. And uh, it was a fun environment. That gym was packed from both fans, Malcolm and Winnebago. It was a great game. You heard it here on ESPN Lincoln. It was awesome, Winnebago heading to state. Yeah, and, and uh, Winnebago, their their boys team won state with with that team a couple years ago, and they were going. Cr- I'm trying to think what the uh, the guy's name is. I got to Google this now. Oh man, I know who you're thinking of. He was very good, and I remember watching that state tournament. I have the picture pulled up of him on, on Google. I know what he looks like. What's his name? Number twenty one. Eh, it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. Unimportant. It, it was a good game last night, Malcolm. Uh, yeah. Too bad. And you got more high school basketball today, don't you? Yeah, more today. We got the, I believe it's the A4 or A3. You know, it's so confusing with all of that. A4 uh, district semifinal. We got East Boys taking on Southeast Boys at Southeast. I'll be there uh, for a 2.50 start time here on ESPN. It's the Fighting Will Wilsons against the Fighting Elijah Herbals. The pride of East, Will Wilson. Pride of Southeast, Elijah Herbal. I don't want to throw that around lightly because there's a lot of great people that come through Southeast, but, you know. Not a lot of them on the radio, besides Chris Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of talent to come out of Southeast. And then most likely, the winner of this game tonight, or this afternoon, is going to be taking on the the fighting Damon Bars come Monday, Pius. Oh, Lord. I didn't know I, I didn't know you went to Pius. That's yeah. interesting. So we got, we got the A4 district here, aside from uh, Omaha South. We need an Omaha South producer uh, on the show now, because we got Pius, East, and Southeast all representing. We're going to put down Munion, who's going to win this district. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I had to learn about that this way, by the way, to to know I was a pious alum <laughs> at 7 in the morning. <laughs> There's uh, So they're all in the same district? All in the same district. Seriously? Yeah, it's, I guess I didn't think of that. All three. Of like, my, my high school got screwed then, man. That's, <laughs> Southeast and pious. Southeast and pious? Come on. Um, no, I, I think I think East and Southeast are both teams that you don't want to run into in a district mm-hmm. final, but Pius, it, I mean, they're great. Pius is like the, the the great hope of Lincoln basketball this year to make a run in the state tournament. So on one hand, uh, I like I'm proud of of my Knights, but also when you look at the the roster that Pius has, I think they do have the talent to make it to a, a state semifinal. Do they have the talent to beat Bellevue West, Miller North, or Creighton Prep? I don't know. Those are like the three at the top. When you look at Bellevue West is so good with Chucky Hepburn. Miller North, Hunter Salas, St. Thomas, you know what they got. Um, I mean, Hunter Salas, one of the best in the nation. When it comes to state tournament time, they didn't get it done last year. You got to – I mean, the odds on favorites to make the final got to be Bell West and Miller North again. Yeah, definitely. And, and I don't know if I like Bellevue West because Bellevue West plays them real tight every single time. I mean, despite Miller North's all – all-world player in Hunter Salas. He's going to be in the NBA probably in two years, if we're honest. Um, two think, years, huh? I mean, he's going to most likely it's Gonzaga, Duke, North Carolina, one of those type teams. That, that, you know, that's a big jump, though. But Hunter Salas' offensive game is smooth. It's one of those games where, like, he makes just running an offense and scoring look easy in high school, and, like, nobody's really on his level. I, I am kind of curious to see what somebody on his level like plays like whenever he has to go practice against these guys that are the same quality as him. But I remember back to Donovan Williams last year, great player for North Star. Hunter Salas still just looks like he's head and shoulders above Donovan Williams. And Donovan Williams 
didn't play that much at o- uh, Oklahoma State this year. Kind of stuck behind a guy like Cade Cunningham, who's, again, going to be in the NBA next year. Uh, but Hunter Salas looks better than Donovan Williams. So I'm curious to see what a guy like Hunter Salas can do whenever you're top 15 in the country. You expect a guy like that to go be a one-and-done. And not all of them do it. There's a reason it's hard to do. But whenever you're McDonald's All-American, it's, it's what I want to see. But then you compare that to Bellevue West. Chucky Hepburn, yeah. he's going to Wisconsin. Seems like a, a perfect fit for the Wisconsin system to me. Um, kind of that Brad Davison basketball player type where he's going to be able to run the point, distribute it. Um, doesn't necessarily need his points, but can get his points. Those teams are just top two. Creighton Prep, though, been playing well this year. I haven't actually got a chance to catch one of the Creighton Prep games. Uh, so I'm curious to see what they do in the state tournament. I'm super excited for the state tournament, if you can't tell. I, I think Class A boys basketball right now is, is the best it's ever been in my lifetime. Yeah. And when I talk to Moats, it's some of the best basketball we've seen in Nebraska since the 90s. It's, it's very good. And so, but let's get selfish here for a second, all three of us. Would you rather have one of these Lincoln teams go on and win a state championship this year, or would you rather have Miller North, Bellevue West in the state championship, which should obviously be one of the greatest games ever in Class A boys basketball history? You know, it would, it would have national attention. Right. I mean, both these teams are top 25 in the country, and they're from Nebraska. I know, so give me give me your answer. Because when was the last time a, a Class A boys team won the state championship? Does anybody know? Do you know this off the top of your head? No. Um, I, I guarantee you someone listening does, and I mean, I could look it up right yeah, now. Yeah, feel phone, free to but. give us a call here on the, the, the Saturday morning show, 402-466-3776. 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. That's how you get connected with us. Or tweet at us. You can tweet at me, at Herbal Essences. Uh, it's Elijah Herbal. You can also tweet at Will, at Willie on the radio. And Damon Barr, at Damon Barr. And remember, Barr is spelled with two R's at the end. That's how you find us. If, if you know the answer to this, give us a call. Um, give us a text. Give us a tweet. Whatever you want to do. But... I, I couldn't tell you when the last time. I mean, but if the uh, if the state tournament, I think I got goes it. how I want to go. It's Pius losing on like a buzzer beater in the semifinal to Millard North, who goes and plays either Bellevue West or Creighton Prep. That, that's why I want to see. I want to see that Millard North team just stacked playing this in the is, final. But. This is pretty wild, and I, I actually I I imagine it went back this far, but not this far. I mean, it's been since two thousand three since a Lincoln team has won the boys a championship. Let's, let's see, I, I'm I'm trying to think. That's right around the opening of Southwest and North Star, and I know both those schools kind of got some talent whenever they first opened. So was it Southwest who won, or was that Southeast? It was not. I will it, I will say this team who won played Southeast. Played Southeast, mm-hmm. and they're from Lincoln. That means it's East, right? Nope, no, it's not East. This is. I mean, it might surprise you. Northeast? No, it's Lincoln High. Huh. Lincoln High won uh, the championship 2003. I mean, Lincoln High had some good basketball teams like my middle school years into my freshman year, but I don't think they've really... I mean, they're, I think they won one game this year, Lincoln High. I remember, uh, I think it was my our fifth grade year in, in school. Uh, they were really good that year when my brother and sister were at uh, school there. But, you know, it's clear the gap is big between Lincoln basketball and Omaha basketball. We just showed you it's been two, since 2003 and Lincoln team has won. So what do you guys think? The Lincoln team winning or Miller North and Bellevue West in the championship? Well, considering just like the, the high-level basketball that these – Omaha guys have played in. I mean, look at the uh, the uh, the AAU uh, squads that they got up there. They got the OSA, um, Omaha Sports Academy. I believe they still have the Omaha Crusaders. Um, I know 
two years ago you had Donovan Williams uh, from Lincoln. They don't have you don't have any AAU basketball in you, Lincoln. You, you, the, the, they talked a couple weeks ago. They're they're going to be putting together a program. But Donovan had to go play on the the Brad Beal Elite team, which I believe was housed in Kansas City. Well, it, that's interesting. I know I know for, I know there is a new AAU team or organization being developed. I don't know if yes. you read it. Is it like Nebraska Supreme? I believe is yeah, what it's and, called. And they're going to be partnering with Under Armour. Oh, interesting. And it, do you know where that's going to be out of? It's in Lincoln. In Lincoln? Cool. So, so it's, it's the first AAU team in Lincoln. That's that's the problem is these Lincoln guys don't have an AAU team to go play this high-level basketball year-round. And I remember sure. from my time playing high school football, high school sports has reached the point where they, they still encourage going and playing as many sports as you can. But really, you you got to start specializing at this point. And, and I, I fully believe in going middle school, even early high school, playing multiple sports. And if you're one of those other world talents, yeah, go play a spring sport, something like that. But it's getting tougher and tougher to be a guy who can be a D1 type player playing football and basketball because of how those sports go back to back right into each other. It's hard to to develop your body for football and then turn right back around and have to get it into basketball shape. So you see a lot of these guys now who are the D1 talents. The football players, they aren't playing basketball. And the basketball players, they aren't playing football anymore. You can go play track and field, I guess. You're right. And I guess right. you have a couple guys like Luke Gifford from Southeast. He was playing baseball in the spring. But I guess he played basketball as well. But he couldn't focus on basketball. He wouldn't play basketball because he was good at it. But the rest of the year, he was working football. Sure. So, I mean, Donovan Williams didn't play football. Hunter Salas doesn't play football. St. Thomas doesn't play football. I mean, I think that's that's what's changing in high school sports now is high school sports are getting to a point where you do have to specialize because it's becoming a year-round thing. During When I played football, I had to go go to camps in the summertime to go get better. I had to go to these college camps like around the Midwest to get that college-level coaching so I was good enough to, to be a, a good Class A offensive lineman. And it's the same thing with these basketball players. If, if they want to be good at basketball, you got to go make it a year-round thing. you got to develop your body and, and find a lifting program that suits basketball as opposed to football. I agree. So uh, what, 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 is, what are you getting at here? Well, it's, uh, it, it gets me back to Nebraska football and the recruiting of Nebraska football. Okay, very nice. Because they, they say they're looking for guys. I remember this last year in the class of uh, 2021. Uh, they're looking for guys who love the sport of football. Shit. Yeah. And there's a couple two-sport athletes. I remember uh, Latrell Neville, one of the early enrollees. He's also a very good track and field athlete down in Texas. And he gave up his, his spring track and field season uh, to come be an early enrollee at Nebraska. And, and when I'm looking at this class of, of 2021, it's the most early enrollees that Nebraska's ever had. Uh, they have, I believe... 10 guys from the recruiting class. It's a total of 12 guys that are coming and being early enrollees on campus. 10 from the recruiting class, plus the two transfers, Marquis Step and uh, Samari Toure. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what this Husker football team can do as we get into spring because there are so many new faces uh, that we can watch for, and we don't know yet whether or not it's going to be fans in the stands at the spring game, whether I'm just going to have to watch on TV. Um, but I'm super excited because there's spots to be had, especially along the offense. Uh, the early enrollees are going to come in and provide good depth along the defense, but when you look at the running back room from last year, it looks like Marquis Step can step right in and be the instant starter at running back, assuming he gets his waiver. But NCAA has kind of been giving blanket waivers to just about anyone who's been transferring anyway. Uh, Samari Toure is eligible to come in and play immediately because Montana didn't play last fall. Uh, so he kind of already did sit out his season. Uh, but he's another guy. I mean, when you look at that wide receiver room, Omar Manning didn't live up to expectations last year. Um, he never played. Yeah. Cade Warner, gone. One of the top threats, and let's be honest, Cade Warner's one of your top receiving threats. He got some problems. Uh, and then you got walk-ons, Oliver Martin, 
uh, is one of the guys that was getting some significant play time towards the end of last year. He played really well against Purdue. Uh, Wandale Robinson, who's obviously the top threat, gone. I'm excited to see what Samari Turek can do because I think he can step right in. Step's still going to have to battle just because of... I'm excited, but I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried. What what worries you? Uh, What do you mean? Uh, Losing Wandale Robinson? Losing Cade Warner, who wasn't, you know, he wasn't that good, but he played a lot of snaps. And, you know, there's there's good things that he did on the field. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I like the talent that they brought in, those names that you mentioned, Tori and them. Okay, I think they could could maybe fill the potential of filling those spots, right? But what you don't you don't match Wandale Robinson. You don't find a replacement for that. But as time goes on from this Wandale decision, obviously, uh, I, I don't think it's good to lose a player of that quality, um, that talent. But from our two years, we saw him play in the Big Ten. I, I don't want to say he wasn't big enough, but he, he struggled with size whenever he is the, the number one threat on the offense. Wandale Robinson yeah. wasn't uh, the type of player that can come in and be a guy who can just I mean, they, the coaches were mentioning You're right. in, in the weeks leading up to games, we want to get the ball to Wandale 15, 20 times this game. And, and whenever that is your game plan, when you're saying, yeah, Wandale's the guy we want to get the ball in the hands of, and he's five foot seven, 160 pounds, he's going to get smoked out there. He's running across the middle. He's taking handoffs. He's going to be against Big Ten linebackers. Especially when you can't throw the ball downfield and you're always looking at Wandale. So is the defense. They're so going to clobber yeah. him every time. So yeah. it's and, tough. Yeah, you got to... Whatever yeah. you know and the defense knows that Wandale Robinson is your best threat and you're trying to get him the ball at least once, twice a drive, it, it doesn't bode good things for your offense. And, and keeping that offense balanced, that's what Scott Frost's offense is, is supposed to be here. It's supposed to be that Nebraska power run game mixed with the Oregon speed. And whatever you're only focusing on getting the ball to Wandale, a defense is A, going to know how to stop it, and B, it's not going not gonna to be good for Wandale's body. He was getting smoked out there. So let's see if the offense is more balanced without Wandale with, with a guy like, let's see, Omar Manning and Samari Tour here are top receiving threats. It's a completely different type than Wandale. Um, you have a guy in Alante Brown who kind of fits that Wandale mold. Uh, we didn't see as much of him last year as I'd like to. I'd like to see him if he gets a full spring practice to be able to develop himself and play against that top talent if he can get better this year. Uh, but I'm actually hopeful for this offense next year uh, that maybe they can get into a better rhythm and, and to be more balanced because the, yeah. the balance was lacking last year. And I, I couldn't tell you what Nebraska's offensive identity is to this point with th- what three years of Scott Frost offense. The offense has felt different every year, and I can't tell you what that ideal Scott Frost offense is supposed to look like at Nebraska. I can tell you what it looked like at Oregon, but so far at Nebraska, it just hasn't been doing the same things, hasn't been working the same. No, I, I'm hopeful for the offense too, and you know I've heard from a few people that uh, they did some work on a sh- on Adrian's shoulder. Okay, so his shoulder's looking good now. That was obviously an issue last year. I, I'm expecting uh, big things from Adrian this year. I really am. By the way, Tim Bob talking. He just texted me. He's listening. Tim Bob, my the guy I do the games with the C Tim team, Bob, baby. The C team. We were on the call last night, Malcolm and Winnebago. He asked because we were talking about uh, the last Lincoln team to win the Class A. State championship. He texted me and said, didn't Pius win Class B a couple years ago? They did. They won in 2019. Uh, but, we were again, we were talking Class A. They weren't in Class A then. Doesn't count. Damon, whenever you went to, to Pius, you were, let's see. Was it really that long ago? The, I thought it was longer. See, because Pius has always been flip-flopping between Class A and Class B. And I think, like, our first three years you guys were Class B. But then we, we played you my senior year of high school. 
and uh, you guys are back to Class A. Well, what's your take on it? Yeah, is, it is, is, is Pius more fitting in Class B or Class A? It, it really just depends, I think, on how good we are and what they want to do at Pius. I feel like they just get a... I have no idea how this works. I feel like they just pick and choose. It has to do with, with school population, Something school with that. size. The school but, size has been going up every year since I went there. Our, our class was the biggest class ever, and then each class after mine had the same title. So it, I, I guess they're starting to belong more in class A. I can't remember a time when I went there that we were anywhere near state winning levels. So it, yeah, it, it's whatever the, the class rank. You could fit them into either one, honestly. Yeah, I gotcha. Now, when you got the, the, the son of, or the sons of Hoiberg on your team, plus uh, an Easley brother. <laughs> I mean, imagine, imagine if Pius was still in class B this year. Uh, it would be insane. I mean, they're, they're one of the best teams in class A. They would I mean, Tim Bob says it, it's so hard to say, but they'd run every team in Class B this year, would they not? That that pious team this year is stacked. There's a few good uh, B teams though. Um, real quick, Tim Bob texts back: a state championship is a state championship. That's it true. counts. I was I said it counts, you know, but not for what our discussion. We're talking about Class A boys teams who won hasn't been since '03 Lincoln High. We're Looked correct, and we won't admit that we're wrong. C team, baby. We're C the ones team. behind the mics right now, Tim Bob. <laughs> Tim Bob, good job on the call last night. Um, you enjoy your day. Thanks for listening. Yeah, you can uh, listen to Will and Tim Bob this afternoon, two fifty Lincoln nope. East, Lincoln South. Tim, Tim Bob will not be on. Tim the Bob's call. not going to be there today. Nope, nope, he, he will not be there. Get me on the color. Let's go. If you <laughs> well, I don't know how to actually remotely produce. We're we're getting too technical for a radio show here. That's we can true. talk about it after the show. Um, but back to Husker football here, uh, just for a second. We're talking about the offense. Uh, before we get out of here, we got Charlie McBride, the rewind coming up uh, here in about five minutes. Uh, we'll go to break and we'll come back with uh, with Charlie McBride. He talked Monday about the uh, the additions of Jay Foreman, Jason Peter, and just the, the little things that they can bring to this Nebraska football program that can maybe put Nebraska over the edge, uh, give them that, maybe that little spark they need to actually make a bowl game. Uh, so, uh, uh, excuse me, Charlie McBride uh, joined us Monday. We'll rewind with him uh, here shortly on the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. But when you look at the defense, so much talent returning uh, to this defense that it really has me licking my chops because of, of the way they played last year. Down um, boy. Down another, boy. Another year development. How long has it been since we had a defense at Nebraska that not only felt like they were passable, but felt like they were good. Uh, I have these stats. Here we go. When you look at the team defense from Nebraska, the last time that they were top 50 was 2016, but that was kind of that illusion year, if you remember correctly. Was that the fake ID year? That was the year Nebraska started the year like 8-0. Really? They had a good... So their defense was actually okay that year. Well, they still had the... the Bo Pelini recruits playing on that defense. You still had uh, Vincent Valentine, Malik Collins, okay. uh, guys like that playing in 2016. I believe that was their last year. So the defense was still good, but also you had a cakewalk first eight games. Uh, I remember yeah. the, the defense wasn't great to finish the year. Um, passable, I guess, but it's one of those illusion years where I think 33 is a little bit of a stretch. Uh, but when you look at that 2016 team, they still allowed 148 yards per game uh, on the ground. Yikes. So I mean, it's still not great. Okay, but so that, that was 2016. Yeah, when you look okay. at 2019, they were 67th in team defense, 116th in 2017. Last time they were top 50 was 2011. 2011, and then okay, but 2009 was 
top ten, right? Two thousand nine was number one. We were number one. Two thousand ten was number nine. So that was two thousand nine was the the last two year. Man, weren't those? Uh, weren't tw- the, twenty ten was still the, the Crick year and Levante David. The, the, those were like the last true black shirts defenses. Mm-hmm. You know, because when my, when Riley came in, I feel like the black shirt hold that whole thing was kind of you know washed a little bit. And Frost, you know, he's bringing he's bringing back the, you know the significance of it. But the, you know, as far as true black shirt defense that we've seen, mm-hmm. those were the last teams. But I'm excited for the defense this year because you got guys that can make that that leap. Um, especially with, I look at Phil Darius Payne, is a guy who really impressed me. He finally fit that mold of what you wanted. He he got some pressure uh, to the quarterback. He had multiple pass rush moves he could go to, and he gets another year development in D1 program. Considering he was a JUCO guy who came in uh, without spring practice, came in and played, I think, exceptionally well given the circumstances of a weird COVID year where you don't get those extra you know, 15 practices in the spring against the top talent where you can actually go scrimmage hard in practice. Uh, you can't do that during a season. Uh, whenever you're preparing for Ohio State on Saturday, you, know, you can't scrimmage hard on Wednesday. But during spring practice, he can. He's going to get that this year. So I'm excited for him, a guy uh, like Nick Henrich. Uh, he was injured his freshman year and didn't get spring practice, uh, rehabbing off that knee injury uh, last year because of COVID plus the injury. Uh, so he's another guy I'm looking at to make it a, a big jump. And then you got the kid out of North Star, uh, Reimer, who right. impressed me so much last year. One of my favorite players in the defense to watch. He really knows for the ball. What happened towards kind of the end of the year, though? Because you didn't really hear his name getting called that often. He was dealing with some injuries at the end okay. of the year. Uh, I believe it was the Iowa game uh, where he didn't play as much as you would have liked him to um, because of uh, just injuries. Um, and then he had Colin Miller go out, and then Hen- uh, yeah. Reimer was hurt. So then it left Nick Henrich, who still played decent at the middle linebacker spot, but you got Will Honus coming back this year. Uh, I would assume that it's going to be Reimer or, or Hendricks next to him or, or a mix of those guys. You're going to have multiple guys playing middle linebacker um, just because of how that position is, sideline to sideline. You, you need to get out and get some get some rest. Um, but then you also have Ty Robinson, who played exceptionally well last year in his first year getting significant playing time, who can make really? a jump. Um, really not, excited to see Robinson. And not to mention a very experienced secondary coming back. Uh, when you look at the likes of Markel Dismuke, uh, Deontay Williams, Cam Taylor, Brett, all coming back next year. You lose DiCaprio Boodle, um, but really he he was quieter than I expected from a lockdown corner. And whenever you don't throw the get throwing the ball that much to your side of the field, it's hard for you to make it a name for yourself and make those plays. Uh, but uh, it's. I lost my train of thought completely. It's too early in the morning here. But yeah, uh, I mean, but here's a, when you only have the one career interception, I'm excited to see what somebody like Braxton Clark, who comes in at six foot three, uh, can do. Uh, or a guy like Miles Farmer, who played pretty well last year at, at the safety spot. Maybe he could overtake one of those two guys that we saw starting last year. And I think that's what shows the the improvement of this defense and, and what Shenander is building is he can have starters last year who are going to be seniors playing in their fifth season uh, and Deontay Williams. Uh, and Markel Dismuke, who might not be starters next year because of the young talent that's coming up. And that's what this Nebraska football program <laughs> needs to have, is younger guys can come up and take the spots of guys who were starting last year just because that's how the development is supposed to work. It is, it is, but I, I find it really hard. I, li- I like what he just did there, David. Did you did you see that? The little, the little uh, away from the mic after he got done with that take. Uh, that's how you know it was a good take. Um, I, it, it's not going to happen. Those guys aren't going to get benched for... 
people coming up. No, they're, they're coming back for a fifth year. They're veterans. They're experienced. They've gotten tons of snaps in the Big Ten. These guys haven't. It's important. Okay, they're going to be for yeah, they're going to be pushing these guys, and it's going to make them veterans work harder. So I agree, it's going to it's going to help player development. But no, those guys aren't getting benched. No way. Well, we got to take a break. When we're back, we got Charlie McBride coming up. Uh, Black shirt Monday rewind as Charlie McBride discussed the little things at Jay Moore and uh, excuse me. Jay Foreman and Jason Peter can bring uh, as they join the staff as volunteer assistant coaches. It's the Saturday morning edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to an hour two. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Greg Smith coming up, a recruiting hit uh, on the way with Greg of Hale Varsity. Uh, can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah. Email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com and uh, can dial us up if you so choose. 466 37 76 466 800 825-5865. It is that time. Every Monday at 5, we welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself. Mondays with Charlie. Coach Charlie McBride. Coach, how's the weekend? Are you thawing out up north? That's uh, good. It's getting warmer now. It's already up to 35 degrees. We, uh, we hit mid-40s today, so it was slushy and beautiful. <laughs> yeah, everything... <laughs> It's all water, right? <laughs> Mud, water, dirty, yeah. cold, dirty snow. Yeah, dirty snow. But you know what? At least it's not twenty feet high oh, anymore, man. But we're uh, we're doing all right. We are doing all right, and yeah. uh, we uh, we're excited uh, for uh, for the week that is, and a little bit warmer weather, and maybe even fifty tomorrow. <laughs> so there we go. Well, that's good. I got to ask you and uh, get your reaction to uh, your players, two guys that were very important to your side of the ball, Jason Peter and uh, Jay Foreman, are both going to be spending time with Scott Frost as volunteer coaches. And, Coach, I want your reaction to that with Scott tapping uh, the shoulder pads of a couple of guys that used to go hurt quarterbacks for you. <laughs> well, they know what they're doing, at least, you know, and I mean, that's the biggest thing. They'll do a good job. I think, you know, they're both, uh, I think Jason's had some experience in the high school level. Mm-hmm. I know out in California, um, you know, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, he's fundamentally, I think he'll do a really a good job for me. I think that's the most important thing that they have. And then, He's liable to tell them what it takes to win, too, a little bit, both of them, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's a, that's a good thing, uh, you know, and, you know, kind of in no uncertain terms. <laughs> so, you, you're telling me he's not bashful, right? No, he won't be bashful. But, you know, he'll, he'll expect a lot, and they'll, they'll understand. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, that's just his his way of doing stuff. It, you know, he's um, 
he's going to push them and he'll he'll teach them. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the important thing is that they learn something and um, you know, and they can get you know, and, and how much how much they get involved, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what I I don't know you know about them, but. You know, as far as the you know the fundamental part of it goes, they'll they'll really do a good job for him. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio Mondays with Charlie, and Jason's role as a volunteer going to be in the weight room uh, with some of the kids, not on field. Jay Foreman will do uh, some life skills uh, with the player development side of things and. Jay's right. Jay's been. Uh, I mean, Jay went on to get his master's in business from Harvard after uh-huh. his playing days. And what what sticks out to you about about Jay Foreman and, and all? I mean, he kind of touched on Jason's personality. What do you What well, do you like about Jay? And and how do you think Jay's going to be able to connect to the kids? Well, I think Foreman Foreman's always been. He's you know he's a real solid person. I mean, he's. You know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he grew up, and you know, was with his dad being mm-hmm. a great player, and so he knows the game pretty good, and he understands it. And academically, for example, he, you know, he's had, he's had, the, he's had a good education, and, you know, he knows what that takes, you know. And, and, you know, to be a football player and be a student is a tough deal, you know, and it's the same thing for any sport, really. You know, you spend... The afternoons practicing all the time when a lot of the students are studying, and uh, so your stu- all your work has to be pretty much at night. You know, uh, especially during the season, it's tough. And uh, spring ball is okay, but you know you'd like to get it done early if you can. But the way the things are set up now, they, they're probably hanging on as late as they can because of the virus and um, so on. So. Uh, but I, I, I'll tell you what, that, that both of those guys are are going to be a real asset. I mean, you know, and I think that, you know, the thing that's happening in the weight room, of course, the Peter brothers, both of them, in fact, all of them, you know, understand the weight room pretty good, and they understand the, how to lift and, and things like that. So Jason will do a good job in that part of it. But I think in the weight room you can all, always – show kids stuff, do things, you know, on 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 your own in there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, you know, he'll probably, you know, using your hands and some of those things will be pretty good. But he'll he'll encourage him to go to the the important muscle groups to play def- defensive line. And uh, well, for for that matter, for all the front seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it'll it'll be a plus for him. I mean, I know that even when Kenny Walker, who was totally deaf, worked in there, those kids wanted him to stay because you know he he could he could teach them by showing them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was you know those things are really important. The little things, you know, the the, the big things. A lot, especially the younger players that don't know. You know, they've been lifting and maybe they haven't had quite the fine teaching that you know they're going to get at the college level and and so on so you know it's 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 good i mean it'll be a good deal for them i i was happy to see that i did you know my wife had told me about it and um you know she had read it in the 
you know, in, the, in the, some of the newspaper mm-hmm. clippings or something, and and told me that they were going back. So I thought that's going to be, you know, that'll that'll work out well. Charlie McBride's with us, Mister Blackshirt Mondays with Charlie at Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, when when you talk about the little things, kind of go a little deeper for me, if yeah. you can. Uh, from your perspective and from a player's perspective, we hear coaches talk about the little things. What do you mean by little things that turn well, into big things? Well, you know, when you play football, you can't. You're, let's just say you're just and you're lifting. You have to lift within the football range. Okay. A lot of guys you'll see grab the bar way out wide or something. You know, little things to move it in. You know where you're you're developing the muscle grouping that's in the area that you're going to be playing. You know, and uh, you know I remember having a guy, Mike Webster. He had traveled around the world looking mm. at some of these weightlifters, and a lot of the stuff also that he found out was a lot of these weightlifters, you know, had four muscle groups: was the front squat and actually the back squat. And if you figure it out. The front squat is where the other players are going to be. So the back squats for power. The front squats for more of a football exercise. And if you look at, for example, on a bench press, um, you know, for alignment, it's a little. For offensive linemen, it's a little different. For a defensive lineman, the incline press is much better because you're at an angle that you're. Your back butts down, your back's up, and you're, you know, going straight out. So it's more like a football lift. Mm-hmm. And so we spent a lot of time with the defensive guys, you know, doing incline presses. Uh, that's when the board is, you know, tilted about 45 degrees and you lay back on it. Uh, I know a lot of people probably going over their head a little bit if they've not been in the weight room a bit. But Some of us just walked po- by it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> hand position is, is really important and, and um, things like that. And, and, you know, sometimes there's, there's guys that can explode at the end, mm-hmm. and that has a lot to do with your nerve structures. I mean, you're explosive. You know, you, you can learn to explode with your 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 arms and hands and things like that by when you get to the top of your lift and when you're hitting you know you you're basically training your muscles to do that a lot of times like uh, i think that when mike webster came around he he just said that the the basic were the four exercises that 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 the big power lifters did you know the guys that were really weight lifters Mm -hmm. you know world-class guys and, uh, and they they had those four muscle groups, and, and when he when he got down to it, it was it was exactly what you know some of them were, was exactly what you had to do to were the major muscle groups that you had to develop for football. And um, and and the other thing is is a lot of it is as you know an offensive lineman pretty much is push and pull push and you know that type of thing, okay. And you take a wrestler, for example, and he's pull. Mm-hmm. He's, he's more of a guy that pulls people into him. And a football player is one that pushes away from him. Sure. So it's a whole different can of worms, you know, sometimes when you're lifting. And uh, so a lot of those things, I think, are, are really important to, to the person. Uh, uh, the, the, other, the other thing is, is, you know, how 
uh, how the dumbbell structure where you can lift it different different ways. And when you're a defensive lineman, for example, you know you're you're throwing guys across your face, across your body. You're doing all kinds of things, and you can simulate some of those things in some of the dumbbell exercises that that they do. And, uh, and and strengthen yourself in those in those ways. A lot of times they have machines that help you with that also, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but you know I don't know what kind of grouping what they have for machinery, but I know that the old uh, just the old dumbbell work um, can really 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 help you. You know, for example, just alternate alternate incline presses. You take a bar and you can just or a bench press, for example, you can take a bench, just one bar. But if you have the other one, you're going to be pushing with one hand and then dropping the other and, and rotating them. And that's more, you know, of a kind of an athletic type of thing. Uh, I think, the, you know, that the upper body, the neck structure, and your upper shoulder body to protect yourself from uh, injury is the, is the other thing. Weight training is, you know, is... is is really good, you know. It makes a big difference in your physical structure when you're out there. That uh, that, that it helps. Uh, the only thing that I would say that they that they I don't I don't know their program, but I know of our old program. I'm sure they're probably the same because uh, you know he worked there. He mm-hmm. knows what flexibility is. So you do a lot of flexibility work with the weight training, and. Um, you know that 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 stuff all including and, and especially with linemen who might be a little stiff in the hips or might be a little they can they can do exercises that that loosen up that those hips and get them so you can run better you know more feel feel stronger and things like that and especially big guys you know that are younger they don't bend their knees as good as a shorter squattier guy does and and that you know that takes a lot of work. And if you can figure it out for yourself, a guy that bench presses 400 pounds may be a guy with a 33 arm length, and a guy that has a 35 or a 36 arm, you know, <laughs> length has to push it farther. Right, a lot, so, a lot, a lot of further ways to go. <laughs> that's right. Coach, it's fascinating here to, to pick your brain on the on these little things because it just seems like there's a an endless supply of new little things that you could be teaching these guys. Um, and whenever you, you put your sh- yourself in the shoes of a, an assistant at Nebraska, do they have the time to instill all these little things in their players um, every single year, or is that where a guy like Jason or Jay Foreman is going to come in and be really useful? Yeah, well, that that's right, and, and you know, and and they can talk to each other about different things and. You know, when they get done when they're just walking around or when they're in between sets or after it's over, spend a little time with them, maybe even demonstrating some pass rush techniques in in, in, in the weight room. You know, and show them where, uh, you know, like a rip, where a, a dumbbell exercise would fit with that particular, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, different lifts would be with different kinds of moves with your arms and and pass rushing people. The other thing is is I think that uh, I know that uh, a long time ago I my in fact it was almost the first clinic I ever went to as a coach. Bum Phillips was the defensive line coach of the Chargers, and of course he's passed away now. He's all the way up to head coach, mm-hmm. but. He he asked us the first thing. He said, "What is the strongest thing you need to have as a defensive lineman?" 
And, you know, then he points right at me like I'm going like I, and I said, well, your upper body, your, you know, your strength. And mm-hmm. he said, no. And, and, and it, you know, he asked a bunch of guys and guys gave these different answers. And he said, no, the thing that's most important with a defensive line and the strength of your hands. Uh, hand strength is so important because if you lose your hands and you lose your thumb or you lose your fingers and you get them dislocated, a lot of times, guys, you'll see them, you know, dislocate them and things like that. That's not as bad, but if you lose your thumb, uh, that's a big thing. And uh, so, you know, that was surprising to me, and I, I think that if anybody that's listening to me now just – one of the things that he showed us was taking a big page of the newspaper and putting it, holding it at the tip, and then crunching it all up in your hand. <laughs> you, if you try that, and you got to get it all in your hand, you can't have anything sticking out. And so we all had a piece of paper in there. By the time we we all got done, our our hands and our wrists and everything were so been out of shape that we, you know, it it teaches you, but when, you know, and and so one of the things that I think that you've got to is just simple things like silly putty. I know I have a couple of players that uh, keep, you know, the the squeeze thing you have, you know, the thing you squeeze with your hands. It doesn't do your thumbs as much, but it does your hands. Have them in their cars now, still. Jeez. That's (laughs) pretty good. Well, when they're driving, you know, and things like that. Charlie and, McBride's uh, with us here on Hale Varsity. So Coach, this, uh, was, this was fascinating. All, the, everything, every part of your upper body and hands are really, there's all kinds of little things you have to really, you know, work on. Coach, uh, we will check in next Monday. This was great. Thank you so much for the time today. Okay. Have a good, have a good week. Have a warm one. I will. You take okay. care, Coach. Thanks, guys. Bye now. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Saturday morning edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's the replacements in today. No Chris Schmidt, no Mark Cranach. Instead, we got Elijah Herbal sitting in alongside Will Wilson and Damon Barr. Uh, find the show on Twitter, at ESPN Lincoln, at Hale Varsity. It's where you can uh, give us your thoughts this morning as we're now excited to welcome in the managing editor of Hale Varsity Magazine, co-author Dream Like a Champion. It's Brandon Vogel. You can find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. And Brandon, I'm just looking at the forecast this morning. It's supposed to hit mid-50s. I'm looking at going out and seeing if I can play some pickup basketball today. Uh, but I, I got to ask you, you got something going on the grill today? No, it's uh, it's it's pretty rainy here today. Um, the, the temperature will be fine. It's just supposed to rain for the next three or four days. I was actually thinking about going and uh, taking in some FCS football. Uh, Chattanooga Mox face face Wofford at, at noon today, but I think the rain's going to keep me away from that. So instead, I'll just watch a lot of FCS football at home. Where where are you at, Brandon? I am in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay. Well, I mean, I didn't even know that. <laughs> well, yep, sounds beautiful. 
Oh, uh, so, so, so the nice thing about Chattanooga is that they're Eastern time zones. So you have another hour to sleep in this morning, right? Well, yeah, it, it does. It does uh, get a little. I'm constantly doing the the Eastern to Central time conversion, and still frequently, frequently screw it up. But yeah, Chattanooga, Chattanooga is a pretty nice place. So. <laughs> So I haven't actually gotten a chance to watch any FCS football so far this year. It sounds like you you have at least on TV, and I don't know what's what's the what's the verdict? Is it is it worthy spring football to be watching? Because there's so many leagues that have tried to capitalize on this like late February, early March time zone, like the XFL, the AAF. But is FCS football the one that can stick? Are they good in the spring? I, I would I would personally love it. I'm sure the programs wouldn't you know get it up just playing in the fall and kind of being at the normal time that football is, I think would probably be a pretty tough, tough pill to swallow for those programs. But, but like the quality of play is, is really high. And I think it continues to increase. I think some of that has been, you know, I think back to like when I was in high school, which is a long time ago now, like there were some guys that I played with and against that were really good players, you know, not quite uh, FBS level, but they went to went to good FCS programs, and I'm sure you guys probably know some people who who were in a similar spot. And now, if you if you go there, um, a lot of those games are on ESPN Plus now. Um, the playoffs in a traditional setting, and that'll happen again this spring. You know, ESPN televises the entire playoffs. Like I, the thing I love about it is not just that it's football on TV, but it's it's fun to, to kind of drop into these places that you don't see on a, on a traditional college football Saturday and just be like, oh, so that's what football is, is like there. Um, and I guess if you're a real diehard Husker football fan and want to do some advanced scouting, southeastern Louisiana, who is on the schedule next fall against Nebraska, uh, makes their debut tonight against Sam Houston on ESPN+. So if the Nebraska basketball game is not going so well, uh, you can uh, flip over there and, and start taking notes on, on southeastern Louisiana. Let's move on over to Nebraska ball then. Yeah, like you said, they're taking on Minnesota tonight, 6 p.m. Uh, 6 p.m. on BTN. Uh, I want to ask you, Brandon, I was reading something on CBS Sports the other day. They were talking about uh, college basketball coaches who could be getting on the hot seat soon. And one of those coaches they mentioned is uh, Patino at Minnesota. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think he could be uh, heading towards the hot seat soon? Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's just it's it's one of those where it feels like things have gotten a little bit uh, stagnant. I, I suppose um, you know it's not it's not that Minnesota, it's been an outright disaster there by any means. Uh, it, it's just you, you kind of feel stuck in the same spot, which uh, it's still better than being outright. You know, there there are certain coaches that end up in spots. Of course, we know where it's just like, yeah, this is this is the last season because this not going to to plan but you know it, it i guess the strange thing in a bigger picture sense is that the going through a pandemic was supposed to kind of put a pause on all of this and it's you know it really didn't for football um at all i mean the numbers like the coaching carousel wasn't quite as busy on the football side this past fall but it was still way busier than i thought it would be and i suspect basketball will be some of the same because even though it's tough to to spend the money to make a change now um there's so much more money at stake that it hasn't really been much of a deterrent so yeah i I would be a little bit surprised if if that happened after this season but you know i I think that's kind of where the gophers find themselves at the moment 
when you look at Big Ten basketball this year, it, it's so tough for me to say uh, Minnesota needs to move on just because the Big Ten's so good this year. You got eight, nine squads that could realistically be making the tournament. Uh, I mean, Michigan State, Indiana, I'd still call both firmly on the bubble for the NCAA tournament this year, and they're sitting in ninth and tenth in the Big Ten. And you have Minnesota in eleventh at thirteenth and eleventh. I mean, that seems respectable for the Big Ten this year. Uh, I mean, even Nebraska, who only has one Big Ten win, I'm not that mad about just because you look at the Big Ten, you go. Well, I mean, this is it's just a, a great year of college basketball for the Big Ten. A, a, a great year for the conference as a whole. So I think you're right. You definitely have to take that into effect. And then also include the impact of uh, playing only a conference schedule, having to deal with compressed schedule uh, in, in certain cases. Certainly Nebraska has um, and just the, you know, having games moved around. I mean, how much does it change the, the story if, if Minnesota is able to go, say, 8-2 and two in, in non-conference play instead of the reduced non-conference schedule they actually got? Um, you know, that's kind of been an enduring lesson, too, from, from this. I think both in the football and the basketball side, and, and we'll see it a little bit with volleyball, too, eventually, is how much kind of how we – perceive these teams in a big picture sense uh, when you're looking throughout the country is, is kind of informed by, by the non-conference schedule, which if you're a power five program, you know, depending on how bold you want to be with it, you can, you could schedule some wins, of course, uh, and every team does it to a degree. So it, it does kind of change the, the tenor of that conversation. And that, that's another thing where, you would think that that's a factor, and it probably is for, for some schools and ADs who are in a spot where they have to consider making a change. But on its own, it, it's not like everyone's given carte blanche to be like, well, you know, it was a tough year. Uh, this wasn't really a representative schedule, so you're automatically back. Like, nobody's quite that safe. Hey, Brandon, you mentioned the coaching carousel a few minutes ago. Uh, this was on Twitter last night. Mark Ziegler, uh, he mentioned that Paul Weir is out at New Mexico. This is college basketball. And so there is, you know, obviously speculating about his replacement. Uh, Tim Miles' name was brought up about maybe taking that job. Uh, why do you think Tim Miles has been, you know, not coaching the past few years? And could you see him taking this New Mexico job? Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know for sure. It would just be my interpretation of it. But, you know, he, he has his podcast. We all knew, uh, well, I think people have known for a long time that if he wanted to go the, the college basketball media route, he would be excellent at that. Uh, and he, of course, is. I, I think he was in a pretty good spot to, to be selective with the kind of job. You know, I'm, I'm guessing he's gotten some, some offers New Mexico feels like it, it could be a potentially pretty good fit. Uh, obviously, with his success at Colorado State, uh, he's familiar with, with kind of that landscape of, of basketball in, in that area of the country. And, you know, he's, he's still a brand name. So for a program like that, that is looking to kind of make a splash, have somebody who the coach themselves is, is a draw, you know, you could go with kind of a, a young upstart or up and comer. And, and that makes sense too, in, in certain circumstances, but you kind of lose that, that curb appeal or that star factor that I think you would get with miles because just so many people know who he is. He's obviously a, a fun guy to talk to and be around. And, and I think that really, what well, we've seen in his kind of lead up in his career, that can really work well at a spot like that. That's a little bit off the beaten path in terms of traditional college basketball. 
Talking a little college basketball this morning here with Brandon Vogel. You can find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. And Brandon, I want to look specifically at this Nebraska-Michigan State game today and don't want to spend too much time on it just because when you have a team that's 1-14 in the conference, how much time can you really spend on them uh, talking? But when we're looking at this, this game, this matchup against Michigan State tonight, it seems like it's a team with everything to play for. Michigan State, they're on the bubble. They've won three straight. A couple more wins to finish the season. You think that they're NCAA tournament bound. As for Nebraska, it's the other way. Uh, you're tired. You've been playing all these games this past month. Uh, d- does Nebraska stand a chance? And that sounds bad, but on the other hand, it's just... Michigan State's got everything to play for, and Nebraska, what is there to play for? You're 1-14, you're and you're tired as hell. Yeah, I, you know, it's – so last last home game of the season, uh, it's it's senior night in a, in a year where, where nobody's quite sure what that means and if the seniors will – well, the two seniors they have, and then I think Derek Walker's also being honored um, as, a, as a graduate – uh, who's coming back? Who's not? That'll all be sorted out later. But Brandon, you know, Nebraska. I, sorry, I should Brandon. jump in and say here it's way too early in the morning for me. Nebraska taking on Minnesota today, not <laughs> Michigan State. Way too early. The girls taking on Michigan State. I, my 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 wires are all mixed. But continue. I just had to throw that in there. Just to, I didn't sound like such an idiot this morning. <laughs> no, that's okay. I do what you, I do what you meant. Uh, uh, so you know that last when Nebraska played at Minnesota, that game got ugly quickly, and then Nebraska kind of battled back, um, but but still wasn't kind of able to climb up the hill despite holding the Gophers without a field goal for I don't remember how many minutes now, a long time. Um, I, I kind of expect them, you know, when we, I think, last talked on Thursday, Nebraska getting ready for Illinois. I didn't like that spot for Nebraska. I, I like this one a little bit more. Um, you kind of got a chance here against a team that I think if Nebraska plays well, it can stay in the game with. So this is one where I, I'm kind of anxious to see. What, let's, let's see how it goes. I, I think you're right. Like the motivation factors, and, and this has been the case for a couple of weeks for Nebraska. Like it's just tough, right? You know, Fred Hoiberg, uh, thanks to thanks to Carol, we know that he he, he forgot to place his coffee cup under the <laughs> espresso. So so the grind is the grind is getting to him, and I think it's been pretty apparent that it's grinding on everybody. But but I, I I'm kind of ambitious about tonight. I think Nebraska has a chance to come out and play pretty well. And the question is, like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they stay in the game for you know 35, 36 minutes. It's kind of those last four where it's, can you hold on and actually just finish the game and, and get a win because they've been close a couple of times. Brandon, so let's touch on the girls' game real quick. Uh, they're taking on Mi- uh, Michigan State today at 1 o'clock, Michigan State 12-7. and 7. Before Nebraska lost to Minnesota a few days ago, they were on the last four out uh, on ESPN's Bracketology. What do they need to do here for the rest of the season to even get a chance at uh, making the tournament? Yeah, it starts with, with winning today. Um, and then, you know, anytime you're in that, that last four out group, you're kind of dependent on what happens elsewhere. Um, Derek Peterson this week did a really good breakdown of uh, kind of where Nebraska's resume is at, where, where it stands. And we'll come back to that next week. Uh, that's already on the plan for next week based on, on what they learn on, on against Michigan state. But you, you got to win this. You got to win these games at home. Um, and, you know, Nebraska, uh, on, the, on the women's side, it's been a little bit more consistent, but you still have these these kind of strange games where they're they're capable of defending at a high high level, and, and sometimes teams just get a little bit loose on them. So I think that's kind of been the, the 
key for them all season long is if they can defend teams and if they can make make the, every every possession a grind, it's very much in their favor. So I think sort of similar to the men, I, I expect them to play pretty well. Um, you know, home court isn't what it was would be in a in a normal scenario, but it still matters for something. So this this one feels a little bit like a must win. Now, Brandon, Amy Williams had some big shoes to fill whenever uh, she stepped in for Connie Yori. I, I believe it was four years ago. Uh, obviously, the Huskers in the Big Ten, it's been a different battle than in the, the Big 12. What do you make of what Amy Williams has done with the Nebraska women's program since she's taken over? And with, with the, the success Connie Yori had, has Amy Williams been living up to expectations? I think so. For me, I would say she's probably even exceeded them to, to a degree. And, and it's been, you know kind of a, a slow grind, but I think what I, what you can say about that program at this point is it's, it's consistently getting better and, and the, the record kind of fluctuates a little bit. Um, so, so it's easy to miss, but when you look at what they've done this year um, with just the, the, the lack of depth, the injury um, injuries that they've had to deal with, I think this year is, is super impressive. Um, not the best from a from a record standpoint, but maybe from the work put in and maximizing your ability uh, as, as a team based on the personnel you have. I think I think they're going at about as good a rate as we've seen so far during Williams' tenure. So this year for 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 Nebraska on the women's side, I'm going to come out of it whether they end up making it to the the NCAA tournament or not. I'm going to come away pretty encouraged. Brendan, we had a, the Hale Varsity mailbag this week. The question was, which non-volleyball team at Nebraska is most likely to win uh, the next Big Ten championship? And Derek Peterson made the argument for the basketball team, specifically uh, the women's basketball team, uh, being the closest, being most likely to win a Big Ten championship next. Would you agree with that assessment? Um, that's, that's a pretty good answer. Uh, Jacob forwarded baseball, which, you know, We've seen baseball win a, a regular season Big Ten title. Um, so that is probably the team that is technically closest. I actually made the argument for for football because when it comes to these mailbag questions, I tend to, to like the hard road. And it's not because I feel like Nebraska football is as close. It's certainly not as close as it wants to be to, to winning a Big Ten title. But I think just the nature of football itself. You know, it's 12 games. Um makes it makes it so that it's easier to get there. Like I mean, we just saw Northwestern come off what, a three win season and and win the Big Ten West and for thirty minutes of that Big Ten championship game, it looked like they were gonna beat Ohio State. Um and, and that is well, it's credit to Northwestern first, but it's also part of just football itself. Like, you know, you get some bounces, if you get the turnover luck really goes well for you, which when you peek behind the curtain a little bit is really the source of, of a lot of kind of out of nowhere special seasons for teams. You get those things, you, you win some close games, like you just gotta, you gotta win that division and then you gotta get to the championship game. And it's a one game scenario and football's a little bit crazy. So that was my convoluted case for football being a, a serious candidate, but yeah, just being realistic. I think, I would probably go baseball and then women's basketball. We're talking to Brandon Vogel with Hale Varsity. Brandon, obviously we were supposed to be having uh, some pretty fun volleyball this weekend, but games were canceled due to some COVID issues up in Wisconsin. What do you think the chances of these games getting rescheduled are? I, 
I think it would be the, the highest priority for the Big Ten. I mean, you you got number one team in the country and, and top four Nebraska, uh, and it was you know both of those both of those were scheduled for for BTN, which we all know it was a, a premier matchup, and I, I was super disappointed that I wasn't able to watch it, and I'm sure plenty of Husker fans were. And, and Nebraska also has you know. Wisconsin swept them three times last year, so it's kind of the the big boss at the end of the level that the Huskers still have to beat. Um, so getting a chance to to getting getting the chance to have that opportunity, I think was pretty important to the development of of the team overall. We saw with Minnesota the first big test uh, a week ago, Nebraska came out and looked really shaky, surprisingly shaky in in the first match, and then look like world beaters in, in the second one. So I'm still trying to figure out exactly where Nebraska volleyball is at. It's, of course, always at a very high level. Um, and, and having a match, well, having two matches against Wisconsin really would fill in a lot of the story for me, I think. So I hope that the Big Ten is, is making that a priority to get that game back on the schedule. Yeah, Brandon, for the past couple of years, Nebraska volleyball has been the most likely Nebraska sports team uh, to win a Big Ten title. And this year, Wisconsin still undefeated, number one ranking in the country. You have to beat the best to be the best, correct? I mean, I don't see Wisconsin losing more games than Nebraska throughout the rest of the year. No, probably not. And, you know, it, it, it would probably take – Nebraska would probably have to sweep those those two matches uh, based on what I've seen so far to, to win the Big Ten outright because uh, I don't – Wisconsin is just so balanced. They're so talented. And, and like Nebraska, you know, they're a team – I don't even know if I would put Minnesota in this category. I mean, Minnesota's really good. They were, they were in the top five for a reason. I'm not trying to discredit them. But Wisconsin has five players that can really hurt you. And I think that's part of the reason they had success against Nebraska of late is that they're one of the few teams where you look at the starting lineup and go, oh – Every person out here is is a danger, and, and even for like the Big Ten below that, which is clearly the best volleyball conference in the country. Even teams like Ohio State, some of those that are ranked but not in the top ten or top fifteen, they they become pretty reliant on one or two players. What really separates programs like Wisconsin, Nebraska right now, and, and to a degree Minnesota, maybe just not not as much as those top two is the ability to, to kind of go anywhere and, and have any any player on the floor hurt you at any moment. Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Brandon, last thought before we get out of here, uh, just weekend plans. You got anything? You said it's a, it's a rainy weekend down in Chattanooga, so maybe not on the grill, but uh, you got to have something going this weekend, right? <laughs> Nothing exciting. Um, I've, I've got a magazine feature for the March issue that I'm continuing to, to work on. Uh, hope to do a little more research on that. Uh, looking at, I'm trying to come up with an attrition score for Nebraska recruits. So if you sign a guy from Chicago, uh, here's based on past precedent, the likelihood that that player leaves because attrition remains a, a big issue for Nebraska. So do a little work on that plan to, uh, to have FCS games on the TV, Nebraska games, well, probably FCS games on the laptop, Nebraska basketball on the TV, and I'm going to try and uh, do some some housework, too. Got to get those uh, the boring boring adult stuff in. Well, that's what's coming up from Brandon. Brandon, if it's a weekend of nothing, do you have any at least Netflix recommendations for me? Um, I watched recently, so... <laughs> 
I, I watched it all pretty quickly, but there's this German series called uh, Oktoberfest, Beer and Blood. Oh, I saw so that. You should yeah. know what you're in for. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very uh, Peaky Blinders adjacent, um, and it's about this kind of battle between the traditional kind of five families of brewing in Munich around Oktoberfest, I think, in 1900. So. I don't know. It doesn't get my highest recommendation, but I definitely watched it all. So if you're looking for something a little outside the box, that's uh, that's out there. Good to know. There he is, Brandon Vogel. You can find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity Magazine, author of Dream Like a Champion. Brandon, enjoy your weekend, and thanks for joining us here on the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. You too, guys. Thanks a lot. <laughs> with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We just heard from Brandon Vogel, Elijah Herbal, alongside Will Wilson and Damon Barr, as we fill in for Chris and Mark, who both are getting a much-needed and much-deserved weekend off. Uh, But we're now welcoming in the Iron Horse himself, it's Gary Sharp. We talk to him every Saturday morning. Uh, and Gary, this weekend, uh, we got some warm weather coming to Nebraska, and we also have boys high school district basketball action. You, you going to be calling any games this weekend? Uh, nope. I have, um, I'm, I'm on the college circuit still, so still, still college, college basketball. Yeah. But you, you, you've been following the high school basketball scene up in uh, up in Omaha because it's it's one oh, of the the best. I mean, I, I, maybe you can speak to this more because I was born in 1999. I missed the quote unquote golden <laughs> era. People tell me of the 90s. But it, it, this Class A high school basketball season is this one of the the most stacked years we've ever seen in Nebraska high school basketball. 1999, Elijah. Holy cow! Does that make you feel old? Yeah. Um, a little bit, a little bit. Um. But let's talk about the question. Uh, it is when you have, you know, only now Omaha has ever had, or the state of Nebraska has only had two McDonald's All Americans, uh, Kerry Trotter, back well before you were born, Elijah, and everybody else uh, in '82, and then Hunter Salas this year. Uh, it's stacked. It's getting better. It's kind of a, you know, it's uh, I think it's cyclical in terms of talent in basketball. But there's no reason a city of a million people in the surrounding area shouldn't be able to produce high-level basketball talent. We're lucky here with Hunter Salas and Chucky Hepburn uh, fitting that role, and it's going to continue to be that way. But I I think it's all part of what we've seen high school sports, not only in this area but across the state, is boys or girls, regardless of sport, I think we're in a good spot in this state. But definitely in basketball, you know, I was thinking if Hunter Salas will make his decision on March 26th, and I know he's kind of got the who's who of uh, college basketball teams to choose from. What if it came down to Nebraska and Creighton? Can you imagine what that battle would be like? But that also shows the importance of Nebraska to, and not only in football, but also in basketball to get some momentum, to get some tangible results so they can sell it to prospects in state because we can see what's right around the corner. You got Isaac Trout at Grand Island, you got Jason Green at Millard North. So it's going to continue. It's just, you hope the home state uh, school is able to make uh, enough uh, inroads where they can get some of this talent to stay home. Hey, Gary, you mentioned Kerry Trotter. Uh, obviously, we're young. I, I've, never, I've never even heard of that guy before this week. What can you tell us about him? <laughs> he played at Omaha Creighton Prep. He was, a, he was a, a big-time scorer. That was back in the day, boys. Even I was a little bit young. So uh, there was the Mike McGee's and the Ron Kellogg's and the Cedric Hunters that were playing in Omaha. 
And it was a night where I was told that all the gyms were packed. It's kind of what we're seeing now. Um, you know, you had the run in the mid-90s where you had Badgett and you had Woolridge and you had Strickland and you had some great talent in the Omaha area that ended up at Nebraska. Uh, so I think, you know, the one thing about high school basketball, why, why it's elevated, both boys and girls in the state, is it's become a year-round sport. You know, back in the day, there was really only one or two AAU programs. There was the Bison and then there was Valentino's. But now there are plenty of AAU programs scattered across the state where the Nebraska kids get to go and play during the summer against high-level competition, and they get to be seen by more coaches around the country. So I think this trend is going to continue. But, again, it kind of shows the importance of, you know, Nebraska needs to get moving forward so they can sell results and they can sell we're getting guys to the league and yada, yada, yada to guys that are going to be coming up because it, the, the next Hunter Salas and the Chucky Hepburns are right around the corner. When you mentioned Hunter Salas and Chucky Hepburn, they had that classic battle in the uh, the Class A championship game last year, Bellevue West versus Miller North, Bellevue West coming out on top. I, I think if, if I was a betting man, uh, that would be my odds-on favorite for that to be the, the, the final again this year. And when, when you look at those two teams, Bellevue West and Miller North, if they were to meet again in the championship game this year, who do you like? I mean, Hunter Salas is the... There's another talent, something like we've pretty much never seen before in Nebraska, but Bellevue West has seemed to have their number this year. Well, don't forget about Creighton Prep, mm. who rallied to beat Millard North a couple of weeks ago. I think Creighton Prep is right there as well. I like Lincoln Pius the 10th, um, but if we do get a rematch of Bell West and, and Millard North, and we've seen them play since they played in the final when Millard North melted down the last four minutes and Bellevue West rallied, um, I think the one thing with Bellevue West is you know, they're well-coached with Doug Woodard. Um, they have experience. They not only have Chucky Hepburn, who's going to Wisconsin, they have Frankie Fiddler, who's a six foot seven wing player that can shoot outside and get to the rim and can jump out of the gym, and he's going to Omaha next year. They've got a lot of talent, and they're pretty deep, and I also think they're pretty rugged. They're pretty mentally tough. The thing you worry about Millard North, Millard North's got some extreme talent, and really, ever since the loss to Bellevue West, Hunter Salas has been on a tear. I mean, he has played really, really well. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder because there's a lot of people, guys, that are doubting Millard North because all they can think about is late-game meltdowns and what's it going to come down to. So they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder. But if we're lucky enough to get that rematch, um, it'll be fantastic. But do not overlook Creighton Prep. Gary, to set up this next question, uh, a little trivia for you. Uh, Tell me the last Lincoln team to win a Class A Boys State Championship. Uh, Let me think here. It may have been. Actually, and I'm going to date all you guys, uh, when I was in Lincoln at uh, a radio station across town, it's got to be Lincoln High. Oh, that's, that's right. Can you guess the year? Uh, 2001? 2003. You, you nailed it, okay. man. So, I think I called that game. I, I believe that I called that game that day. That's interesting. I mean, it's crazy to think it's been that long. So I, my question to you is, Gary, why do you think the talent gap is so big between Omaha and Lincoln? You know, is it is it the AAU scene up in Omaha, or is it just Omaha being lucky enough to get good talent growing up in Omaha? Well, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of all of that. I also think it's the commitment to athletics at a younger age. You know, that's – I'm – Plenty of friends that coach high school football and high school basketball in Lincoln, and they're discouraged because they see what's going on in Omaha. I mean, it's competitive in Omaha. There's a little bit of recruiting that goes on, uh, but it's a year-round activity in your respective sports, and there are a lot more sports-specific workout facilities 
and training facilities here in Omaha than there is in Lincoln. And there's more support to be good in athletics in Omaha than I, than I think there is in Lincoln. Now, that's changed a little bit, but not enough to close that gap. Um, and also, let's be honest, when Lincoln started to expand and you opened up more and more high schools, the talent got dispersed across the city. And so you, you didn't have the mega powers. Um, I think in football, you know, you, you've made up a little bit of ground. I think in basketball, this year, Lincoln teams will surprise, but there's still, there's still a gap between the best Omaha teams and the best Lincoln teams. And I don't know how you fix that other than, you know, a couple of great dynamic players that, that close the gap and win a state title. And, and Lincoln High, that's a long time ago uh, that they won. And that was a really good Lincoln High team in 03. Gary, something that I look at is it's not basketball, but when you look at like the football scene, there's only two schools in Lincoln that have a, a, a turf practice field, the, the, the non-natural grass, the stuff that costs the money. Uh, it's really nice to play on, from my experience, playing high school football. And you, you look in Omaha, and you got all these schools that have their own football fields, beautiful stadiums on the high school campus. Do you, do you think that just the district uh, and, and just, I guess, the, uh, the, the boosters to schools support the high school sports scene more in Omaha than they do in Lincoln? Well, I think they do. And also you have parents. You have parents mm-hmm. that are pretty aggressive here in Omaha um, that are looking at the, the bottom line, and that is getting their son or daughter a free college education. Um, and I think the people that are involved in the football scene here at a younger age are also involved in the high school scene. So there's, there's a lot of competitiveness here. There's a lot of opportunity to get better. They know that there's a lot of eyeballs on Omaha kids when it comes to football. I mean, just look at the run that Omaha players are on now. Look at the kind of offers they are getting. You know, you had a first-round draft pick that's the starting tight end for the Denver Broncos. You've got players all over the country from Omaha. You've got colleges from all over the country, not just Nebraska, that are offering Omaha kids. And so that drives it. And also, you look at the offseason, and I'm also saying this with a year where OPS did not play high school football. We'll see what kind of an effect it has on numbers uh, coming up into this fall. But if you look at the offseason, there are camps that are team-specific. There's a lot of seven-on-seven. There's Steve Warren Academy where, uh, you know, you can go and you can get tutelage from a guy that played in the NFL, like a former Husker, and the other former Huskers that are involved in that. So I think it's there's a lot more opportunities in this area to play your sport year-round and get better day by day that is probably not afforded to people in Lincoln. And I know that that's a huge frustration with the, the high school football coaches because you have two really good programs in Lincoln Southeast and Lincoln East, and they want to be on the same level as the Bellevue West and the Omaha West Sides and the Elkhorn Souths. Gary, I want to shift gears here and talk a little bit of college baseball. Uh, season's getting underway. Nebraska baseball gets their season underway uh, next weekend against Purdue. Uh, and one of the things that's really disappointing to me uh, is Nebraska baseball not going to get to play in Omaha this year, most likely. I mean, this doesn't seem like a College World Series team, and the Big Ten tournament being canceled is going to be in Omaha this year. Uh, but what's most disappointing to me is Nebraska's not going to get their usual series with Creighton and with UNO. Uh, is that as disappointing to you as it is to me? Because I really enjoyed watching those games every single year. Well, it's a disappointment to me that the Big Ten is handling baseball like it is. Mm. They're treating baseball like every other sport. They don't, they don't differentiate. They say baseball is going to be treated as the same as badminton, for example, if, if the Big Ten sponsored badminton. Um, and they didn't take a lot of input from the coaches. And in the end, it's probably going to hurt the Big Ten. And I still think the Big Ten will get you know, two to three teams in the NCAA tournament. But remember, a couple of years ago, they had a team that was playing for the national championship. And, I, you know, that's disappointing for Nebraska. I think Nebraska and Will 
Bulls have handled it well. You know, they can't, they can't sit around and moan, groan about the schedule they've been given. Well, the schedule now that they've been given, go out and prove it and win and be successful. Um, but I'll be curious to see what the perception of the Big Ten is in baseball as the season unfolds and what's it going to take to get to the NCAA tournament, how you're going to improve your RPI. I mean, every weekend is going to be pretty important, and you hope you get to play every weekend as well. But it's, it's disappointing because, you know, Creighton and Omaha are pretty good, and Omaha's got a brand-new ballpark, and it would be nice to see Nebraska here. Um, but it is what it is, and now you can't. Now that you start next week, you got to move forward, and uh, you got to win as much as possible to uh, make it interesting for the uh, selection committee when it comes to the end of May. And so, Gary, when talking about the College World Series, what have you heard uh, as of right now, like uh, fans at College World Series? Uh, what, what have you been hearing so far? Well, 25% is what's going to happen with the spring sports, and Omaha's hosting in one venue the entire volleyball tournament. So you're looking at about four, a little over 4,000 people will be allowed in to watch the uh, volleyball, uh, the field of 48 in Omaha. They're looking at the College World Series. I would imagine, and you know, we're making we're making strides, guys. I think we're building up to where we can have close to full stadiums when we get to the fall of college football. I think the College World Series, and remember, this is set by the NCAA. Uh, Douglas County or anybody else doesn't have any input. This is what the NCAA will say. I think we're probably going to be at 35 to maybe 40 percent of capacity for the College World Series. So that would put you at maybe eight to nine thousand people that would be in that ballpark. Now, now, you're not an expert on this, but I know the city of Omaha pays a lot of money every single year to host the College World Series. Uh, I think they have a deal running through like 2030 something right now. Uh, to host it. It's been held at Omaha since the 1950s. How much money does Omaha stand to lose uh, with this tournament if they can't have everyone in that they usually do? I know it's a a big draw to Omaha every single summer. Well, you've already taken a major hit in this past year because Omaha was supposed to host two rounds of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. They were supposed to host the swim trials. They were supposed to host the College World Series. Uh, They were supposed to host the NCAA volleyball final four now you get the entire tournament but are you going to have fans traveling outside of the fans that root for nebraska um i think another impact and, and you know what and omaha is preparing that they are going to lose again another a significant amount of money the other part of the college world series first and foremost you're glad that it's going to happen um, because at least there's some revenue there but i think what will be a little bit different will be the amount of vendors and the atmosphere outside of the stadium that might be cut down a little bit, um, and I also wonder what kind of travel arrangements, like will you see more local people at the College World Series this year, or will you still see the amount of people that travel from outside of the Omaha area? Those are all up in the air, but Omaha, the city of Omaha, is going to lose money again on this, but you know they still got the swim trials. They're going to go at the same time. Uh, and so they're going to try and recoup some money, but nowhere near what a normal College World Series means to this community. Hey, Gary, I want to ask you a little bit about college basketball. Uh, Paul Weir down at New Mexico, he's out down at that job, and uh, Tim Miles' name is being brought up. Could you see Tim Miles uh, taking that job? Well, you know, Tim Miles' name was brought up for that job when Paul Weir got it uh, a few years back uh, when Tim was still at Nebraska. I think he's going to be a candidate. He might be the, the leading candidate. You know, he's got some familiarity with the Mountain West Conference. Um, I, well, here's the thing with Tim, and you know, Tim has kind of got involved in the media side, and I think he really, really enjoys it. But let's be honest. When you've been a basketball coach and you've had a whistle around your neck for as long as Tim Miles has, 
you want to be on that bench. You want to be on the floor. You want to be teaching. You want a program to run. And I think that's what Tim wants to do. I think Tim wants a basketball team to coach. You know, he had a couple opportunities last year uh, in the offseason, even during the pandemic offseason, which he explored, but just were not right fits for him. So he decided to uh, sit it out another year and stay home in Lincoln. I think this is a good opportunity for him. But he wants to, you know, I think he's a win away from 400. I think he'd like to win 500 in his entire basketball career and then call it quits. But he definitely wants a, a team to coach, and he is looking for opportunities this offseason to get back into coaching. And that may be the, the, the place for him because it almost was a place for him four years ago. Sticking with uh, some college basketball, uh, I know you cover uh, UNO's men's basketball team, uh, and, and it hasn't been the best season for them, similar to how it hasn't been the best season for Nebraska basketball. Uh, Creighton, by far and away, the best team in the state. Do you see that changing anytime soon? I mean, it, it's been since 2018 since Nebraska beat Creighton? Well, uh, first, you know, Creighton, this, is a, this could be either another season or a magical season for Creighton. They got kind of a weird resume. They got an important game today against Xavier. Uh, then they got Villanova midweek in the rematch in Philadelphia. They beat Villanova. You know, Creighton right now feels to me like a five and six seed. They're not getting a lot of help from the conference. With Nebraska, this time next year, guys, Nebraska right now has five wins. They might have six tonight. They're taking on Minnesota, who has not yet won a road game and is coming off a terrible loss against Northwestern, who had lost 13 in a row. And there's some challenges for Fred. And I think he knows what those challenges are. And he's just trying to manage guys through this remaining couple weeks because they look like they're on E. They look Thursday night that it was just, let's go out there and see what happens. Let's uh, hit them with our best punch. If it doesn't work, uh, let's just not get blown out of the place. Well, I think he knows what he has and who he has coming back next year. But there is no way, guys, no way. When, when you're 12 and 41, I believe, the only way you're not getting scrutiny is your name Fred Hoiberg. And you've done it before. But next year at this time, when we hit Valentine's Day, I'm not saying Nebraska has to be in a bracket in the NCAA tournament field, but they should at least be in the discussion of being near the bubble or having a chance to play themselves in. If that's not the case, then I'm really, really worried. But they've got some work to do in the offseason. They've got to identify their strengths and who does what best and uh, what their best starting five is. But maybe more important, guys, what their finishing five is, which I'll be curious to see as the season unfolds in the next two weeks. Who are those five guys that are on the floor that join an Allen and a McGowan's and a Walker? Is, can they get banned and turned around? Who else is out there? Um, but cross your fingers, you move forward, and you hope that when Bryce McGowan shows up, he is the real deal right from the jump. Hey, Gary, on Tuesday, Teddy Allen for Nebraska dropped 41. He was one away from tying the record. Uh, that record set by Piakowski, I believe back in 98, it was during the Big 8 tournament in Kansas City. What can you tell us uh, from that game? Wow, you guys just want me to like reminisce about the good old days when, I love, when you guys were just a, well, yeah, I love a stories. I love stories. Well, I got to tell you, so I was in school. I was in Lincoln uh, back in the roaring 90s. Uh, I do take credit. I, when I was a uh, student at UNL, I won three national championships in football. Uh, but basketball nice. was basketball was going as well. Danny Nee had great things going to the Devaney Center. The place was packed. That was a good team. Um, Piatkowski's performance was at the the Big Eight tournament uh, down at Kemper Arena in Kansas City. And I mean, Eric was a, a, an incredible shooter, and he was such a great playmaker. And you saw it. He then went on to have a nice little NBA career. Um, but, man, he was, he was so good that night, and it's almost like he couldn't miss. And you were like, wow, watching it. 
there's another basket, there's another basket. It was kind of like Tuesday night with Teddy. You know, Teddy just kind of took over the game. Um, the worst thing that happened to Teddy Allen Tuesday night, guys, was halftime. I mean, he was rolling 28 in the first half, and then the second half he kind of slowed up a little bit. And Penn State threw everything at him, and Teddy was over to oh, being able to overcome it. Now, is that risk a problem? We'll see. I mean, Fred, for the first time, mentioned it after the game on Thursday night. He only took six shots. You can't have that happen. But I think that's what Teddy does. I saw him in high school, guys, at Boys Town. He goes and gets buckets. He gets volume buckets. But that's a problem for Nebraska because they need more than Teddy Allen that can create shots on their own. They basically have one-and-a-half players that can do that right now. But when Teddy goes off, Teddy can go crazy. But let me ask you this, guys. You've watched enough of Teddy Allen this year. When, when Big Ten arenas are full again, and you know Teddy's game, and that game on Thursday night got a little bit chippy. Guys were yapping at each other. Don't you think that Teddy Allen, the way he plays and the way he scores, that he's going to become a villain in opposing Big Ten arenas when the places are packed again next year? Most definitely, Gary. I have had that thought before. Like kind of the Aaron Kraft, the new Aaron Kraft. Yeah, he, you, know, he's gonna, you know what's going to happen? He's going to take over for Brad Davison yep. from Wisconsin. 100%. I could see it. Well, Gary, uh, we're actually out of time this morning. It, this flew by. I didn't even. I looked up at the clock, and we're all out of time. So I just want to thank you for, for joining us today. What, what you got on the docket this weekend? Uh, well, I was thinking about maybe playing golf if it, if it uh, warms up enough. <laughs> well, have fun with that. I mean, hit him straight. It's supposed to be high fifties in Lincoln today. I'm going to get out and yeah. try to play some basketball. So yeah. hit him straight. Well, hit him I, far. I appreciate you guys making me feel old. I'm glad we just had <laughs> story time. You guys can go to YouTube and you can check out Piakowski's performance, or you might want to look. There, there was an unbelievable run from 93, 94, 95, 96, 97 in Nebraska football. It was, it was kind of fun. <laughs> I'll check it out, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Hey, see you, Gary. There he is, Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, on the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Ready. Went a little long here. I know Damon's over there looking uh, completely flustered, but. Will, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, you brother. Catch Will on the uh, Greg the Hook Show every morning, 9 to 11 ESPN Lincoln. Will, be good. Damon, appreciate you this morning. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.